welcome to another episode of the Unpublished Podcast. My name is Amy. I'm James. And today we're going to do a Q&A podcast. We've got some fantastic questions that have been sent in. We are always so grateful when you message us with ideas or questions or reflections on previous podcasts. Um, really keeps us going. It's so nice to get the feedback. And also you always so, you know, have such astute um, comments about the creative life. Yeah, I'd much, as I've said before, you know, I'd much rather hear from you about what we speak about rather than us just randomly coming up with a topic. Mm. All right, so should we, should we tuck in? Yes, for okay, sure. Okay, cool. So the first question is, I'm interested in learning how to move forward with courage in your creative practice without linking your self-worth validation to the opinions of others. In particular, for me, this relates to transitioning to one day a week of work with the remaining time spent on my creative practice. I can see and feel how this newfound time has led to so many new opportunities and collaborations, but I feel I am immediately defensive on to um, feel the need to over-explain to others who are more aligned with traditional work roles? Yeah, so there are, I think, a couple of layers to this question. Um, just start with that last layer first, which is talking to people about us being a full-time creative now. Yeah, I mean, this is something we talk about a lot because we really find it hard. Like, creatives are often pretty misunderstood by people in traditional roles, and when you choose to um, commit to your creativity, whether that looks like committing to it while you have a full-time job or whether that looks like coming down as this creative has to doing one day of full-time muggle work and the rest to creativity, people really have a hard time getting their minds around it. And it can flare up a lot of uh, very difficult emotions within the creative yeah, it's also something that even if you were to get uh, everything you ever wanted creatively tomorrow, yeah, uh, people would still not. You have to understand that people will still not validate you. Uh, yeah, people like, still people won't will understand. still either whether that's they're going to feel threatened, they're going to feel like you're not, you don't still don't have a real job. Like mm. people, even though in my opinion, creativity is one of the most practical jobs in the world. Mm. Making art is one of the most essential human things. People still think that like you know, middle management is more of a real job. Yeah. Or something. Or, you know, accounting or sorry, I feel like we brag on accountants a lot. I'm nothing against <laughs> accountants. Um we need it's accountants. just like it just seems like the catch all phrase yeah, for yeah. a muggle job. But I literally have nothing against accountants. I love our accountant. Our accountant is a legend. Yeah. Um but yeah, it was just that people for whatever reason are not gonna see your job as a real job. Um, that's not saying everyone's going to see a job as a real job, but there are always going to be people. Yeah, who commit to misunderstanding you. Yes. I was having a really great conversation with a member of the Inspired Collective the other day along similar lines, a little bit different, but similar. And we came home to the conclusion that when you commit to your creativity, you are shining a bright light on some people's greatest insecurities. And the fact that you've chosen to commit to something you love and you've been brave enough and audacious enough to really you know, go all in, um, that just shines a light on the fact that, you know, perhaps they want to do something like that, but they never have, or they're completely insecure about whether they, you know, are artistic or not, or their mum told them that they could never do what they wanted to do, or that they're bad at drawing. Like when we live life in alignment, we can often trigger people and upset people and force them to look at some of their darkness. And I think that often creates some really bad responses. Definitely. I mean, I know before I started writing, I used to feel threatened by people who were creative and artistic because I felt like... That was something I really wanted to do. Mm. Um, like I probably had the ability to come to their level, and I I wouldn't talk down to them. Of but course, like, yeah, but it still it still triggered something in definitely, you? yeah, and and a lot of people aren't very good at dealing with that feeling. Yeah, it's unfortunate because 
it's a hard lot for the creative because not only do we have to get over our own stories about why we are needed as a creative, but then when we show up fully as a creative, we have to deal with other people's stories and mm. they project onto us. So we're dealing both with our own insecurities and then with their insecurities too. And so I think I just want to acknowledge that this is really difficult um, and that it's a big thing to move through, but to always come home for the fact that this is more about them than it is about you. Yes, for sure. And, you know, just remember, you don't have to tell them. Yeah, and that's something we also spoke about the workshop the other day is we often have boundaries around who we tell and how we tell what it is that we do yeah. to uh, particularly muggles because, you know, sometimes it's just not worth it. Sometimes yeah. people are too committed to un- misunderstanding you, too committed to patronizing you, too committed to ignoring the fact that a creative life is a possible life. And there's just no point wasting your energy on them. You're not being a, a coward by setting boundaries. Mm, yeah. And then the first part of this question was, I'm interested in learning how to move forward with courage in your creative practice without linking your self-worth validation to the opinions of others, Mm. which is obviously very intrinsically linked to that last part of the question, but perhaps it's a bit more broader and can kind of filter into different parts of their lives. It's big. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say, you know, in the interest of time and having to move on to the next question, I would say you've got to become comfortable with um, controlling what you can control. Mm. and not worrying about what you can't control which means you know setting your um goals goals but you know setting being process driven rather than being results driven Mm. because if you're results driven you're really looking to other people and if you're process driven you're really looking to yourself and that's not to say you can't have big dreams big goals i always like to have a caveat there like please dream big please have big ambitions but when it comes to a day-to-day thing like what can you control at the end of the day you cannot control the opinions of others and it's okay to want to connect it's okay to want to make impact but you can't control the way that your art makes impact you can control the way that you create your art and how often you show up to your art and how you infuse yourself with art with your art yeah definitely yeah okay that was a beautiful question thank you all right damn it the gardeners are back do you want to pause yeah we'll pause not your primary occupation i have full-time muggle job and whilst i have various creative dreams for the moment i don't expect to have those dreams coalesce into anything that supports me financially in the current moment it's more so that i'm currently exploring and expanding my creative skill set trying to determine ways of weaving creative energy into my life while still paying the bills with my dull day job wondering if you have any thoughts yeah i mean my advice to you and i don't know if you agree with this is to just set out a really small pocket of time for you to explore your creativity fully. Yeah. So if that's like 20 to 30 minutes a day or every other day and just have a sacred boundary there, just so you can explore and figure out what you really want to work on. Yeah. I think this is a really valid problem because I think when I talk about, you know, showing up fully and unapologetically showing up for your art, the stories that we see of that are often people doing very dramatic things. So quitting the day job, fully going in, doing like nine to, you know, 12 hour art days. Like when I say taking your art seriously and fully showing up and unapologetically showing up, I'm not talking about big gestures I'm talking about taking yourself seriously however that looks for you in the current moment and you know the journey is always going to look like you know it's always going to begin with play it's always going to begin with learning it's always going to be looking at you know being curious and investigating it doesn't need to be full-time straight away and that's not what I mean when I say taking it seriously so I think we have to really um, look at our inherited uh, stories as to what taking it seriously looks like uh, and then start realizing that taking it seriously is going to look really different for you in the current moment in your current journey wherever you are at so i love what james says and i think that's a beautiful example of taking it seriously and unapologetically showing up for your art i think i want to remind you that neither amy nor i spend 24 hours of the day on our art Mm. i mean i really only spend half an hour to an hour a day yeah 
And I would say it would be similar with you, right? Yeah, and that's but, like, if you just do that every day, it's more than enough to make huge strides in your creativity. Yeah, and that's us showing up unapologetically. Yeah. I think um, another thing you might want to look at is if you're in the process of sharing, and again, you might not be ready to share, and that's okay too. But if you are, for me, unapologetically showing up when I share is making sure that I'm really claiming space as doing what I'm doing. So I'm not being like, oh, here you go. like, Or like, oh, it's so bad. Or, oh, you know, this is just silly. Like, I might not be full-time, but I'm taking this seriously and I'm loving it and enjoying it. I'm not sorry that I'm spending time with my art. That's what I mean when and, I say And if you, you know, if you have other commitments, if you have, as you say, work, if you have family commitments, then 10 to 20 minutes is you taking it seriously. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's heaps. Like, yeah. well done. Go you. Like, if you can do that, that's awesome. Um, and if you... If that's all you feel like you can do, then great. Just set a really strong boundary there. Yeah. Just like everyone knows that you create at you know 7 30 at night for 20 minutes everyone yeah. knows that it's like no one can come and talk to you no one can ask you to do anything like and that's your private time and you know what if you don't get anything done there at least you've put the space aside yeah i agree and i still think that's taking it seriously mm. i like the consideration of boundaries and taking it seriously so your boundaries will change depending on where you're at, at the journey but even if you are at the you know at the very beginning or if at the moment you are only doing it for a very little amount of time, having boundaries around it validates yourself and tells yourself that you're taking it seriously. And you might need, you might find it hard to set boundaries because you're someone whose day is full. So you're always taking things on. Mm. So it can be hard for people like you to sometimes to step back or to yeah. ask for more time or ask for space. Yeah. But you might have to just practice setting boundaries. Yeah. It's a very powerful thing to do, mm. to ask for that time and mm. to clearly dictate it. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay, this question is, I have practiced the principle of a little work every day for 10 years and I love it. But there is one concept that I wonder about. That is deep focus. I wonder what I lose by not immersing myself in my work, undisturbed for hours. It feels like I might be missing out on potential. Of course. And if that's what you want to do, that's totally fine. Like, if you want to explore that, that's awesome. Mm. Um, there's, if you can really get into a flow state, I don't think, I think it's a great thing. Um The reason that we talk about small goals is because that's much more achievable for a lot of people. Mm. Um, It can be hard for people, especially when they're just starting out. Like you sound like an experienced creator. Like you have committed to yourself. You made promises to yourself. You have developed the muscle of creativity and now you want more. And Mm. I think that's great. That's awesome. Yeah, totally. Um, Completely. Like what we suggest with the small amount each day, it still works for us. And I would say like we're more experienced, but it still works for us to do a little bit each day. Um, but sometimes we do like to, to sit into that flow state. You had a nice two-hour creating session yesterday. Yeah, I got into flow into state. It and you recognized the flow state and you mm. kept going. Like, yeah, it's like I did. The point of the small goals is to hit the small goal as a minimum. Yeah. And if you want to push on, you can totally push on. Yeah. So it's like if you ha- if it happens to turn into a two, three-hour session, awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. And I don't. I definitely agree. Like, if you can get into those states, it's superior. Yeah. I also just want to question, and I, I don't know enough about this, but I think it's an interesting conversation about the idea that flow state has to be long. Mm. Can we have flow state in shorter amounts of time? Yes, for sure. Mm. For sure, we can. Yeah. Especially if we're used to it. Especially if we're used to sitting down and setting the environment. Yeah. I have to. I have to really. I have to re. Um, re look into flow state a little bit more but i believe you can get into flow quickly yeah so that you can have half an hour of flow but deep work like long periods which are related obviously related to flow um needs a time i don't know i also think you can probably like half an hour to an hour you could probably get there but if you if you happen to spend eight hours then yeah cool but it's just it's just then i also want you to be very careful of are you sitting there for eight hours forcing yourself to work and draining yourself or is it genuine like ease and flow yeah 
because what you don't want is to work for eight hours and exhaust yourself. Mm-hmm. But if you if it's easy and it's flowy, then awesome. Completely. I was just thinking back to my session this morning. It was 30 minutes of just research and, and thinking of ideas for my new story. And I don't, maybe it was a, it was probably 45 minutes of work that I did there. And it was really flow state. Um, and all I had to do was spend time on it. My bare minimum was I just need to spend time, any amount of time on looking at my story. But, you know, it ended up being 45 minutes of really great creative flow. Um, and again, that's not an eight hour day. Um, yeah. I think the first thing we have to do is trust in ourselves to show up. That's why we do the little things each day. But if you're interested in flow and you know that you can show up each day and you're not going to betray yourself, then maybe it's you might want to look at that longer longer session. Also, I, I don't want to imply that you have, like, that flow is superior. As I, I said the word superior, but I kind of mean, like, it's cool. It's a bonus. Mm. I don't... I definitely think you can achieve awesome things without going into long, deep work sessions. Same. And I, I think that the problem a lot of the time with a creative community is we get obsessed with things like flow state and deep work, mm. thinking that that's the only way we can create impactful art when you know most of my books were made from 500 word sessions a day and not really deep flow work yeah. at all. I really want to f- figure out, I know there's a difference between flow and deep work, or I know that they're not exactly the same thing. I can't quite remember what the difference is. And I feel we'll like that'd be better. Another podcast. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. All right. I am curious on your view. I have a tendency to spend a lot of time, money, and energy bringing products to life, but then when it comes to showcasing them, every dollar feels like I am indulging. You know, making beautiful things, but not investing in gorgeous photos and the time to tell their story. So we've spoken about this a lot in the importance of understanding that the marketing and the showcasing of your art is just as important and in time time to invest and time to put, you know, financial investment just as much as the cre- creation of your art or your product. Um, in but, our experience, that's where we put all most money. of the money yeah. into. Yeah. But we have crafts that don't require financial mm. indulgence because we're writers. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I think this is just a story that creators inherit, that it's um, okay to indulge in your creation process, but it's not okay to share your art. And I would really encourage you to start looking at the stories that are behind that. Is there a fear that you're not enough? Does it? Why does it seem indulgent to want to showcase your art? Is it because you have to back yourself? I think when so many, so many creators experience deep resistance in marketing their art, because in marketing it, you have to out loud say to people, I believe that my art has worth. Whereas investing in the creative process, it doesn't require that kind of declaration. And so I would just encourage anyone who has resistance when it comes to marketing, investing in marketing, and marketing is such a stupid term, but you know what I mean. The showcasing of your creativity is what's behind that resistance. Um, And is it because you don't want to back yourself? Is it because you're kind of apologetically showing up for whatever you've created? Yeah, I love that. I think you said it perfectly. The one thing I'd I'd add is trying to get into the mindset that the sharing is part of the creative process mm-hmm. and that it's fun and you can do fun creative things with sharing you don't have to do just like whatever every marketing guru is telling you to do you can yeah. do your own thing 100 percent. yeah and it doesn't always look like financial um investment no no it could be time investment yeah um, it could be yeah your question's not loading next no. that's okay <laughs> Um, yeah, it could be finance, it could be time, it could be, you know, just the bravery of going and looking and, and talking about your art mm. to other people. Okay, my questions have loaded. All right, we've got a few little questions from my Q&A on Instagram just to finish this all off. Some of them are big though. Okay, I'm going to start with this one. Um, how do I prioritize making art over seeing friends and socializing when I'm in the flow? I feel selfish. So often I feel like artists are like 
bombarded with this feeling of being selfish and that prioritizing art and creativity over socializing, over friends, over family um, can feel like an indulgent. Again, that word indulgent, it can feel selfish. Um, and again, I think we need to start looking at the stories and that we've been fed and inherited as to why we believe that that's true. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, I think this comes back to boundaries again. And it's like, have you just been, do you feel like you have to see your friends because you've never put up a boundary? Mm. You know, do you feel like you have to do the other things because you've never put up a boundary? Like, is it really just you're not in practice of setting boundaries. Yeah, and it's so hard. We had a um, Inspire Collective Master class on boundaries the other day and like this is a really big issue and creatives need boundaries because as we spoke about at the beginning, people can be really committed to misunderstanding and disrespecting your craft. So you have to have boundaries there to protect your creative space. Um, but I, again, I want to validate how difficult this can be. And I want to remind you that when you create, you are doing something generous. And that in reality and in the long-term game, you are actually being generous to your friends, you're being generous to your family because you're creating something vulnerably that has the potential to impact and connect. Um, this, again, I can't say enough. It's just come back down to boundaries and practicing boundaries, even if they start really small. I think communication can be so key. And I often think also that our friends and family are more likely to understand and be compassionate than what we project on them in our head because we have so many insecurities in our heads that we can often project onto our family that they won't understand. But with some clear communication, I think more often than not, they might be happy to give you that space. So if you're to say, I'm really working on this project and I just need a little bit of time and I love you and I care for you, but can you allow me to have have extra time with my art at the moment um how would that land and if you know they're not going to respect that can you work it in a different way and also why are you hanging out with someone who doesn't respect your creative calling also i mean i've been talking to my therapist about this lately but you know the world is essentially run by neurotypical extroverts Mm. and sometimes they just genuinely they don't know like they just they haven't thought it's not their fault there's the world is set up for them. So they think that's how everything should be. Like everything, one should just hang out with their friends constantly. Everyone should just be willing to be social all the time. Like, but that's just, they're just lucky that that's the way the world's set up. You know, introverts, sometimes all it takes is for an introvert or a neurodivergent person to explain to someone, Hey, this is just how it is for me. Mm. Um, I'm not being selfish. I just need this. Yeah. And they're like, Oh wow. I didn't realize that. I totally understand. Yeah. And like, 99% of the time that conversation is going to go well yeah I agree yeah I really I really like that explanation of understanding that the world is built for extroverts it's built for neurotypical people um, and so you have to carve out space for yourself and that can be really hard but if you explain it mm. and it's such a vulnerable thing to explaining explaining it but yeah it's a brave and courageous thing to do for your art and for your creative journey and I think when you do it you are articulating to yourself how seriously you're taking yourself yeah. and that's such a powerful thing to there's do there's nothing immoral about taking time for your art oh my god that's such a great sentence yeah there's nothing immoral about taking time for your art. Why does it feel so immoral at times? I don't know. It's the extrovert thing for me, I think. Mm. Or, you know, the du- or duty or yeah. obligation, things yeah. like that, which are all just, you know, ephemeral kind of like arbitrary things yeah. that don't have to tie you down. Like, if you, especially if you have conversations and you're honest about them. Yeah, I love that. Don't just abandon people, but like talk to them. Tell yeah. them. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, cool. Um, I like this question. Do you work in different rooms? What does that space or shared time look like? Oh my God. Like, so we have a really small one bedroom apartment and, uh, 
workroom, our study is our kitchen, is our TV room, is where my PlayStation is, which is a big problem. <laughs> um, and we all work, we work on one desk, which yeah. is our, our dining room table. We actually just are really longing for a bigger space at the moment. Yeah, but. we're dreaming of that day where we get to have our separate creative spaces. Yeah. But we certainly make it work. Mm, yeah, we, we sit on a big table, um, I, uh, sort of at different ends of the table and kind of put our headphones on and just... Yeah. What? with each other but without each other yeah um, i'm i find myself i'm much more chatty which can be difficult with james sometimes he needs that he needs total silence um complete silence and no distraction which and i have just literally never learned to shut up well you literally work with the tv on yeah i have to have noise yeah um so we do work really differently and one day obviously we'd love to have space to be able to work differently away from each other so we don't intrude on each other's space but we're making it work. Just make it work for now. I think the thing is you can't get precious about your space if it's all if all you have is imperfect space. Yeah. You just otherwise we would never do anything. Exactly. Like I get that quite I get a lot of that resistance is I can't do this because I would have to work at the kitchen table. My kids are around. Mm. And I'm like, well, can first of all let's look at the options. Can you go to a cafe? Can you go to somewhere else? Can you go to the library? And like if none of them are, are the options, I'm like, well, you've got one thing. And if you want to be an artist, then you're gonna have to sit on that kitchen table and like palm your kids off. Yeah, it's like, yes, maybe you'd be ten percent more efficient if you had your perfect working space. But you know what? You're ninety percent efficient right now, that's good yeah. enough, just go. I agree. And also, like, I do think space is important. Like, I noticed yep. when we moved here, um, it was a really big increase of productivity, actually, for my work because we were living with your in with my in-laws mm. before. And I, I found that really hard to concentrate there. So space does matter. But yep. at the same time, I'm not going to allow space to inhibit me from creating. I'm born to create. Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. More about structuring days. Deciding what to do next is tiring, but I really hate a rigid schedule. Yes, definitely. I totally get you there yeah me too i have a very structured morning and a very unstructured afternoon so i get the best of both worlds yeah i i kind of after we get back from the gym so about 10 40 essentially i have free play time <laughs> for the rest of the <laughs> free day play for the rest of the day Whereas, but in the earlier morning i've done all the important tasks they're all done yeah and that's the that's the point and ryan holiday talks about this you do everything important in the early morning. Mm. The rest is gravy. Mm. So I maybe I'll do some productive work in the afternoon. But uh, if I do, it probably wouldn't have been high priority or it would have been just a bonus. Yeah. Or I can do whatever I want. Yeah. And that, that is structure. That's because it's structured, unstructured play. Yes. Yeah. So I know it's coming. Yeah. I really resonate with the idea of decision fatigue. So I really don't like it when I have a day where I've got like 12 things to do and I can't, and I have to decide one thing after the other of when I'm going to do it. Like that exhausts me. Mm. So having structure and knowing that I'm going to get, you know, journaling done first. Again, we have very structured mornings journaling and then creative time done and then the gym done. And then from, yeah, it's 1040 onwards. Like I, I'm half, I do a lot more of the admin stuff in that time. Mm. Um, but I'm, I still struggle with this. Yes, it's hard. It's pretty hard. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Like, because to me, like, the admin work is the least important work. Mm. Like, it often, that's when it gets done in that afternoon time, but kind of randomly. Yeah. But um, to me, I've done the important work, which is the creating yeah. in the morning. Yeah. Love it. Um, but a big topic, and maybe we could come back to that in a full podcast episode at some point. Yeah. Okay, do you want to do one more? Yes. And we can save the rest for, we'll do it in another Q&A podcast. Yeah, we'll save the rest. So if you send any in, we'll save them and get to it in the next Q&A podcast. Um, okay. What if you feel that creating art isn't enough for what the world needs because there's too much horrible stuff going on in the world? 
I mean, there are so many layers to this question, but as I said before, like creating art is the thing. Mm. Like it's one, it's basically one of the big things. I mean, the amount of bullshit jobs in this world. Mm. And for some reason we put art at the top of that list when it really, it should be fundamental. Like art inspires people. Art gives people hope. Like, what got people through the pandemic? Like, yes, the frontline workers were the most important thing, but then right after them, it's like people were sitting at home who couldn't work and they were consuming art. Mm. Like they were engaging with art. Mm. So after, I think like, you know, after you push through those really obviously essential things, like the actually, health. you know, health and yeah. well-being and like shelter and food, mm. it's like, it's what if your art is inspiring someone doing that frontline work? Mm. What and if your giving art... a refuge to people in that Exactly. Space. What if your art is giving refuge to someone who's going through a shitty week or a shitty year or a shitty decade. Yeah. Like, it's so important. And for some reason, it just, like, gets put below, like, banking. Yeah. Like, seriously? Mm. Banking? Mm. Finance? Is more important than art? I mean, do you, know, do you realize the only reason we consider it important is because it got, like, shoved into the GDP figures about 30, 40 years ago. Like, we didn't used to put finance in our GDP figures. Suddenly, we put finance in. All the governments feel like, um, can say that their GDP has increased by 10% and they don't want to, like, put that out again so mm. suddenly finance becomes a super important part of the world and we all value finance super highly when it's just bullshit mm. yeah 90 percent of finance is unproductive i would encourage you to look at where you inherited the idea that art is useless and to really start looking at where art has served you in your life and to recognize how much it's held you and to recognize that how you would be without it. Because I know I would be a shell of myself without art. I would be so depressed. My like art is supporting mental health all over the world, like spiritual, emotional, mental health all over the world. And you know, the fact that we are choosing to so bravely and courageously follow our creative calling is of one of the greatest services that we could do to the world. Yeah. Maybe you feel like Oh no, that's not my art personally is frivolous. It's like, no, it's not. Mm. It's not frivolous. Mm. Like if you're making art, even if it's just to improve yourself, even if you're just making art for your own sanity, it's helping you to interact with other people more mm. generously. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think people at the beginning of the process might feel like, oh, I, I'm, if I'm not sharing my art, then it really doesn't matter. Like I agree, like it is in service to you and it's in service to you as a human and the, how you are is important mm. and how you interact with the world is important. How your mental health is, is important. Creativity yeah. is so important. Creatives literally carried people through the pandemic, like mm. in the emotional support capacity like mm. people were watching netflix people were reading books like people were looking at beautiful things like that was mm. how people got hope in those dark times yeah 100 so important so important all right let's leave it at that thank you so much for your questions guys we will see you next week see you